We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. There's a big sale at Half Price Books. Big sale at Half Price Books. What's better than discovering the best books, music, and movies at Half Price Books? Saving 20% on everything you find. That's right. It's going on now. Get 20% off your entire HPB haul, including new releases, bestsellers, your favorite classics, even collectibles. Find what you love and what you didn't even know you were looking for. And save 20% on everything at Half Price Books and HPB.com. Big sale at Half Price Books. You are listening to a special edition of Bird of His Radio. I'm Pat Corain on Twitter at Pat Corain. And with me is Sean Siegel on Twitter at FF underscore contrarian. Sean, what's going on? Not too much. Just did the, the long drive back and forth. We had the, the great Christmas vacation um, in Kansas City and and the debut of Pat Mahomes. So uh, a lot of a lot of exciting NFL developments. It, interesting week in that for many people, the most exciting game was one that featured a backup quarterback. But yeah, we have a lot of coaching decisions to talk about, the playoffs to talk about. Obviously, want to uh, promote Pete over that appearance in our other show as much as possible, since uh, Pete is always fantastic. And we have Blair coming on to do a great discussion of a zero running back and rookie running backs article that he wrote this week. Uh, Blair is fantastic, so looking forward to that. Um, Yep, and that's uh, that's Blair Andrews of the Road of His Report. And uh, as Sean mentioned, and the reason I say this was a special edition is that this week we have two episodes of the show. Uh, we just dropped uh, one with Peter Overzet um, covering kind of the FFPC uh, playoff um, uh, tournament and also just looking ahead at some of the, you know, the playoff games coming up. And then um, in this episode, is, is in addition to the interview with Blair, we're going to be looking at some of the coaching vacancies and what kind of impact that may have. Um, but Sean, I mean, I, I feel like you undersold it here, like with Pat Mahomes and, and your excitement level. Cause we, we have, we have some show notes and uh, in, in the notes here, you have arm arm strength of Matthew Stafford, mobility of Russell Wilson, accuracy of Drew Brees, release of Aaron Rodgers. It seems like you're uh, you're kind of excited with what you saw in week 17. Right. So so we finally see what the Chiefs have seen in Mahomes. We see why they traded all of that uh, draft capital to get up and get him, even though they plan to play a different quarterback this season. So we have a we have a team that's playing a separate quarterback career year in his own right for Alex Smith, uh, but has all kinds of salary cap issues and now will not have as much in the way of draft picks next year to to replenish for 
uh, you know, trying to fill out the roster that has these salary cap issues. So when when you get to see Mahomes, you're definitely hoping that he can be this franchise savior because there could be plenty of cap casualties. And then he comes through with this fantastic performance against the Denver Broncos using backups. He targets Albert Wilson repeatedly. Uh, you know, doesn't have Tyreek Hill, doesn't have Travis Kelsey. Uh, so skeleton crew moves the team at will. They even went to a, a fullback for their running back most of the game. And and he looked absolutely fantastic. So, you know, a, a little bit of hyperbole there, obviously, uh, probably not quite the level of mobility that we see from Russell Wilson. And certainly, you know, it's, it's way too early. It's way too early to give him any of these characteristics, but certainly the accuracy of, of a Drew Brees, but he, he showed everything you could possibly want, you know, roll into his right, throwing back across his body, 30 yards, uh, just hitting wide receivers right in the chest. So it's an exciting time to be a, a Kansas City fan when you have Alex Smith, looking the best that he's ever looked in and leading them into the playoffs. And then you have a future with a potential franchise quarterback uh, after they passed on Deshaun Watson to make that pick. Uh, they, they were in a similar situation, I think, to the Cleveland Browns and, and plenty of other teams who passed. And and now it looks like, not that he's going to be Watson. We've already seen that, that Watson is an impending superstar, maybe the most exciting player in the league going forward. But Matt uh, Mahomes looks looks excellent in his own right. And what do you think the right way uh, for the Chiefs to play this is? Well, it's a difficult situation because I don't think you can sit on him too much longer. You have the the contract control for a certain period of time. Obviously, they'll uh, wield things like the uh, the franchise tag in the future. But you have this window where you have a, a quarterback with a contract that is manageable and then you can build around him unfortunately with the chiefs they're also paying another quarterback a huge amount of money so they're not really going to be taking that uh, taking advantage of that the way that a different team might and especially when he looks ready at this point you know there you can't help but have a little bit of regret however just because he looked ready in week 17 certainly doesn't mean that he would have been ready in week one or or week six Uh, it's it's more of a a question I think for for next season and Alex Smith probably goes back into that quarterback market uh, via some some type of trade or, or other roster decision and uh, you know into a, a market that has a lot of quarterback need but also a lot of intriguing quarterback possibilities so we'll talk about that on next week's show awesome okay so uh Let's dive into some of these coaching openings, which are kind of the more pressing thing here. Uh, before we do that, I uh, want to talk about SeatGeek. Uh, excited to have uh, SeatGeek on as a sponsor here. Uh, been using SeatGeek for a while. Great app. Uh, it's bar fi- by far the easiest way that I found to shop for tickets, um, sports tickets, uh, concert tickets, whatever. Uh, you can just go on a couple taps. Instantly find your seats. Um, they kind of rate the uh, the seat by like how good of a uh, a deal it is, which I think is cool. Makes it a lot easier to find uh, find tickets and um, make sure that you're uh, you're paying a good price for them. So uh, you know you should have the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek app. If you do not, uh, you're in luck because. If you're a Rotovis Radio listener, you can get $20 off on your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code RVRADIO. Promo code RVRADIO for $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. Seriously, download the app if you've not used it. It's great. Um, all right, let's get into uh, these uh, these coaching vacancies. Uh, quite a uh, quite a Black Monday here. Um uh, slash, you know, post week seventeen, and and already rumors of, of of who some of these uh, coaching vacancies might be filled here as we get later in uh, in the week. But yeah, let's just run down here. Uh, fired coaches: Jim Caldwell, John Fox, Jack Del Rio, Chuck Pagano, uh, Bruce Arians retiring, uh, and then some surprising uh, coaches that didn't get fired. Marvin Lewis, he survives. Hugh Jackson survives after going 0 and 16 for now. I I, I still gotta think he's fired, uh, you know, slash replaced before uh, the, a new season begins. But 
uh, still alive right now. And then Dirk Cutter, I think also pretty shocking that, that he managed to keep his job after a incredibly disappointing season for the Bucks. So what do you think about all of that, Sean? The guys that got fired uh, or, or left as in the case of Bruce Arians and then the guys who didn't? Well, we can definitely see that the different expectations in different markets and for different teams really inform what the general manager and the owner decide to do in terms of the head coach. And and a lot of it just comes down to whether or not you have a quarterback, which may or may not be the complete way to, to evaluate your head coach. It's interesting because we have Jeff Fisher talking about wanting to get back into the league. And you look at some of his recent quarterbacks, you know, you have Case Keenum, you have Nick Foles, you have Jared Goff. All of those guys are going to be playing on highly seeded teams in the NFC playoffs. Foles, obviously mostly by virtue or completely by virtue of the injury there, but guys who are going to be trusted in the playoffs. Yeah. And you don't need Foles to make the case. It's like, Goff and Keenum are going to be, you know, they've had amazing seasons. They both had amazing seasons after looking like absolute garbage under uh, John Fox. So it's just, it's amazing. Like that's such an indictment of him as a coach. I think so. And then you look at the situation and you see Hugh Jackson, who um, is basically being given a pass on a one in 31 stretch because of the quarterback situation. And I mean, that's almost a situation where Jackson is making someone like Jeff Fisher look like a combination of Bill Belichick and Vince Lombardi. I mean, we're, we're talking about someone who uh, is, is getting a free pass on incredibly poor play from the team, poor in-game decisions, poor preparation. You have that final game of the season where the Pittsburgh Steelers are uh, benching anyone on their team who is competent at all. And the Browns still can't come through. I think that's disappointing for Cleveland fans. It's disappointing for fantasy owners of some of those key players who certainly are hoping for uh, a breakout next season for someone like Josh Gordon, for someone like Corey Coleman, you know, better usage of the running backs and, you know, just you, you want to see good football. So that's, that's disappointing. When you look at the openings that we have now, how would you rank them in terms of their desirability? We have the Lions with Stafford there. We have the Colts with Luck, presumably. The Raiders with Carr. That position already looks like it's going to be filled by uh, John Gruden. The Bears, an interesting guy in, in Mitchell Trubisky. And then the Cardinals and Giants, both teams without quarterbacks, but the cards have David Johnson and uh, what to this point has been a pretty tough defense. And the Giants have all of those receiving weapons that they could build around. Yeah, and I, I guess we should mention that um, there's been some turnover with the Green Bay Packers and there's like the potential that Mike McCarthy might not be back, uh, which I think that would obviously jump up as the number one job if that were to happen. But um, yeah, I think... The number one job that's still open, because I'm assuming that the Raiders job is going to be filled by John Gruden, I think is the Colts. Now, it's obviously really scary, and we have um, a really great article by by Dr. Jeff Budoff, who you know is saying that luck could not be out, of, might not be out of the woods yet in terms of his shoulder, and so that's a real issue. But if you just look at quarterback situation. Um, with the Lions, you have Stafford, but it seems like they're looking at a defensive coach um, and then potentially keeping Jim Bob Cooter around. So I don't know. Like if you're a defensive coach, are you real excited about that setup plus a, a defense that isn't that great? Um, and then the Bears, you have Trubisky, who's a total question mark. The Cardinals don't have a quarterback at all. The Giants, you know, benched Eli, brought him back. He's kind of a shell of what he once was so i mean i would take the upside bet on luck and if i was you know a a younger offensive minded coach who thought maybe i could get a, a second chance if luck isn't what he was or misses another season and i get fired as a result i mean i would take my upside shot if i thought that i could you know maybe get a a second head coaching job in five years or something if it doesn't work out. I'd agree. And I think this is a great year to be 
uh, one of these trendy candidates because unlike most seasons where the, the the jobs come open because there are some real problems you have terrible quarterback play or you just have a franchise in complete disarray in 2018 we've got some teams that that are pretty interesting i, I think i would rate the lions number one because matthew stafford uh, he's just been doing a fantastic job carrying that team to around the 500 record he protected his coaches there for as long as he possibly could just by you know with his physical performance and willing that team into a situation where they were competitive uh, despite having almost nothing other than him you know he he made marvin jones into a fantastic player this year he's been supporting golden tape He's been doing it all without a running game. I think that if you have that franchise quarterback, then that is a job that you really want. And, you know, if you are one of these top defensive coordinators, certainly Matt Patricia, the Patriots defensive coordinator is is probably the front runner there if he ends up being interested. I think the challenge of rebuilding that defense and knowing that you have Stafford to rely on uh, to bail you out in the interim, that's going to be pretty intriguing. But I really would like any of these jobs. The Cardinals need a quarterback. The Giants need a quarterback. But there are a lot of interesting quarterbacks available this season. So unless you have one guy that you want at QB and don't feel like you're in a position to really get to them, then those jobs are also pretty interesting. With the Giants, you know, you, you're you going to get to build around Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. So if you pick the right guy, you could be very good in a hurry there. And then obviously that, that raises your stature very quickly as a head coach. Yeah, that's a great point about the Giants going to be having a high draft pick because, you know, the Eli the sort of turns Eli into almost an asset if he's able to basically steer the ship for one year as you break in, you know, a new quarterback at the end of the year. And, and you know, uh, you're kind of you're kind of done a favor here by just the absolute uh, mishandling of the Eli benching um, by Bob McAdoo, because you actually now if you do have a young quarterback that you want to bench Eli for, you don't have to worry about breaking a streak. So you can kind of do it whenever it makes sense to do it. And, uh, you know, you can thank Bob McAdoo for, for stupidly doing it this year for, for no reason at all. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think actually that job is probably sneaky good. The, the, the Cardinals job really scares me because um, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know as much about this quarterback class as you, but, um, do you think they can kind of come out uh, with a with a potential franchise guy? Because you know you're also probably losing Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and then the other thing with their defense is like I'm always a little bit wary in the NFL of counting on a defense to stay good for like a while. So you know their defense has been good, but as we uh, as we look like two years down the line, three years down the line, I don't know that you can count on that. Well, the Cardinals will be a very interesting team to follow because they need a head coach in addition to needing the quarterback. So they have a lot of moving pieces. In the past, we might have looked at Bruce Arians and said he prefers this kind of quarterback. And so, you know, we're limited to the guys he might go for. But we really don't know that with all the changes that are taking place there. And so with the draft slot that they're going to have, you know, maybe you have these interesting guys in Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. Uh, riskier in terms of of size perhaps and and having some more red flags but also having some very interesting upside at the same time the cardinals may be in position to you know look at someone like an alex smith if the chiefs make him available looking at someone like a tyrod taylor since the bills despite making the playoffs look like they want to move on so the cardinals with having a david johnson with having a defense that is probably playoff ready they might be able to take a hybrid approach where they actually add a starting caliber veteran and an interesting, uh, not just developmental quarterback, but a, a high ceiling potential quarterback early on. What do you think about the Raiders job? Um, my feeling was that was probably the best job, um, but it's off the table. It, do you think it was the best job? What do you think of the Gruden fit, assuming he does get the job um, and just the situation overall? That wouldn't have been my top choice, although certainly there are some pieces there. Derek Carr looked so poor this season, and I don't and I don't think that's all on him. Obviously, Amari Cooper had a terrible season, and so there's a little bit of a chicken or the egg argument there. 
Michael Crabtree also had sort of a stealth awful season. And now there are reports that they're going to move on from him. And so if you're looking at building a team with a couple of very talented defensive players, but your offense is Derek Carr to Amari Cooper, that doesn't look nearly as exciting as it did 12 months ago. However, John Gruden, obviously one of the most exciting head coaches in a variety of ways. And and the real question will be, is he still that innovative mind? Is he still someone who is going to be on the forefront of things or during the time off, has he let his previous ideas really solidify and not want to get off of those things, not want to adopt or adapt to a lot of the changes that we've seen in the NFL in the interim. Now, you know, you listen to his commentary, he's the best or or one of the best guys on TV, both in terms of the enthusiasm and then what he brings to the game in terms of talking about the X's and O's and, and what's going on there. And you get a sense that he will still bring that innovative mind to the Raiders. And and if he does, I think it's very exciting, but, but certainly, uh, you know, anytime someone has been off for that long has had success, you wonder if they'll be willing to really embrace new ideas and, and do what needs to be done now, as opposed to what they have done in the past. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be really interesting to see what Gruden has, because I think in some ways, you know, he's just sort of like the offense that he's, that he used to run is sort of a very kind of standard West coast style system. It's not, um, not all that exciting, um, potentially, but if he's been, uh, you know, drawing up new plays all these years and, and figuring out various things he wants to experiment with. And if that's part of what's leading him to come back and get a head coaching job again in the first place, then he could be one of the most, you know, exciting and innovative coaches that, that we have if he's been basically in the lab cooking stuff up that that no one's seen you know for a decade so and you know he was kind of a a young exciting coach uh there when he first came up with the Raiders and then obviously won a Super Bowl with the Bucks and kind of flamed out after that but certainly he'll have the potential for really strong quarterback play with Derek Carr so it's an exciting exciting matchup I, I think it'll be good to have him back in the league it'll just be kind of fun um, I'm always in favor of, you know, smart offensive coaches uh, added to the NFL. That's always a good thing in my book. What do you think of the trendy uh, second chance coordinator guys who look like they will get an opportunity to show that they learned from the first time around talking about Josh McDaniels and Pat Shermer? Um, I would be, I don't know as much about Shermer, but certainly what he's done with uh with Case Keenum and really I mean you know Bradford looked like he was primed to have a team too and mid-season he got a switch over to Keenum it's not like he was prepping the offseason with Keenum so I think what he's done this year has been incredibly impressive and um you know certainly I would be interested in uh if I had a team I'd he would be one of the guys I would be looking at for sure um and Josh McDaniels I think is like absolutely bring him in like I I don't I think like oh yeah he I've talked about this before like he's I think it's obviously pretty clear that part of the reason he didn't work out in Denver was ego and um I think probably he had too big of a role where he's kind of immediately involved in um you know who they're drafting etc so but I you know that's what I want I want a guy who's an innovative offensive mind uh, in charge of the uh, in charge of the team, and McDaniel's is uh, like who, like who's got kind of more upside than McDaniel's if he's got his shit together now uh, as a, as a head coach. I would love to have Josh McDaniel's as my head coach. I think he's in a position where he can be very selective about what job he takes, um, and, and that's probably the biggest impediment to adding him um, if you're if you're a team. But if you're writing off Josh McDaniel's, I think you're you're making a big mistake. Looking at that group as perhaps the most likely group, although certainly there are plenty of other contenders, and the changes that teams are going to be making this offseason, what do you think the fantasy repercussions are for some of the highest profile players uh, in this group, teams changing head coaches? Maybe start with Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. You mentioned the possibility that they would maintain their coordinator, but if they have a defensive-minded head coach, um, regardless of whether they keep their coordinator 
Is that going to be good for any of the players? Would uh, It would seem like a loss of volume certainly could be devastating for both Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. Yeah, I think they're they are best off if the status quo is maintained to you know the extent that can occur when you lose your head coach. So basically, if Jim Bob Cooter stays, I think they're in better shape than if he leaves. Um, I think one thing that everyone talks about with the Lions is that they don't have a running game. Um, I guess my feeling on that is like I don't know if that's as big a problem as as some others might. Um, I think it's probably like if they had this offense and a really good defense, they'd be just fine even without the running game. Um, but if you bring a defensive mining head coach, like those guys generally want to be able to run the ball really well. So that could be devastating for, for Tate and Jones. I think they have to be, uh, and if you own them in dynasty, you, you, you have to be praying right along with them that, um, that they re- retain Jim Bob Cooter or bring in, an offensive-minded head coach who's going to continue to rely on the passing game. Yeah, well, they've they've talked already about wanting to bring in and improve their running back stable. And, and I think the thing that that brings to mind is what the Seahawks did last year in adding Eddie Lacy. And very quickly, they found out that it wasn't the running backs that were the problem. It was the offensive line doesn't provide really any opportunities, any running lanes. Now, they had a little bit of success with some guys way down the depth chart. And I think I would prefer the Lions go that route as opposed to thinking they can fix the running back problem purely by bringing in one of these high profile runners especially because the team needs a lot of help they they need a lot of work on that offensive line they need a lot of help on defense there you mentioned excitement for Carr. uh gruden gonna quickly fix Derek carr and amari cooper or at least jump them back up to the level we saw previously to 2017 yeah i think there's potential for that to happen I, i'm definitely excited for Carr. um i just think it's good news for Carr. i don't you know it remains to be seen how big of a, a positive boost this is for Carr, but this is exactly the type of change that you're hoping for uh, with Derek Carr. I mean, I, I, Jack Del Rio is always – he's just one of – he's sort of on the list for me of guys where I'm just, like, skeptical. Like, I feel like you're kind of holding your team back, kind of the, the Jeff Fisher, John Fox list where, you know, I think I think uh, John Gruden has potential to get more out of Derek Carr than we've seen – certainly this year but but even overall and then Amari Cooper I don't know Sean like I'm starting to feel like like to be fair we've never really seen what we've hoped to see from Amari Cooper um you know maybe if Crabtree leaves and and Carr gets right and Cooper stops dropping everything it could all come together what are you what are your uh, thoughts on Cooper I still go back to his college resume his athleticism those first two seasons in the NFL um, and, you know, you look at the last couple of weeks and even limited, he's had those long touchdowns. Now he needs a lot more volume. He needs a lot more uh, routes and targets in areas of the field that can be high value and, you know, really have him be the focal point of the offense if we uh, are going to see him jump to the level that many of us hope for. But even in a disaster of a season this year, and, and there's really no... <laughs> no other way to look at it when you you have that picture of unmitigated disaster i mean it's it's amari cooper right there but you know there still have been a few positive signs he still is that elite athlete and i think that that's one of the the things that people forget or uh overlook with him you know he's he's faced plenty of skeptics right along the way because he doesn't leap but everything else he does athletically extremely well so i think gruden will put him in a position where it's not this contested catch or this going up to make this incredible play in the air and will instead uh, pepper him with so many of the targets where you know he just has to separate catch and go and so I, I, there's nowhere to go but up for both of these guys. And I think we'll see them go up. The question is just how far they're able to rise. Let's touch on David Johnson briefly, um, who I think, you know, as opposed to Carr and Cooper, uh, Bruce Aaron's departing opens up a lot of downside risk for, for Johnson. Um, he loses his quarterback in Palmer. He loses kind of the, the total blueprint of the offense with Arians leaving. Uh, it's possible, probably not likely, but it's possible, you know, the, the next coach won't want to utilize Johnson quite as heavily. Um, what do you think 
you know, how bad could it get for Johnson? You know, how uh, how risky exactly is this situation now for Johnson? Um, especially as it applies to kind of his dynasty value, which you know is off the the heights of preseason, but you know he's still an absolutely premium dynasty asset. And then you kind of alluded to this already, but could maybe this situation stabilize in a way? Um, you know, stabilize more quickly, as in everything's good enough around Johnson to where he can be productive in 2018, and and it's actually and he's and he does just fine. So, I, where do you kind of see the situation going here? Well, in terms of how bad it could get, it could obviously get very, very bad. We talk a lot about running backs who are game script independent, and Johnson definitely fits that category. One of the exciting things about him last year, you know, beyond just the, the pure point totals, was that he was being used so heavily in both the running game and the passing game. He had double-digit expected points as a runner, double-digit expected points as a receiver, and then you know, he's, he's a huge physical talent. And so he's able to capitalize on those expected points. On the other hand, just because someone is game script independent doesn't mean that they're total situation independent. And if, if anyone ever doubted that, we got the clearest example that you'll ever get this season with Todd Gurley, where you have someone with a profile that is game script independent, but the difference between him this year and last year uh, you know, you're talking about the least efficient running back in the NFL and then one of the greatest fantasy forces we've ever seen. So it could get bad for Johnson if he falls into a situation that is more like what Todd Gurley had to deal with pre-2017. That being said, I, I don't think that's actually what's going to happen because the Cardinals do have plenty of paths to replacing the quarterback position with someone who is at least competent. And then when you look at the level that Carson Palmer has been playing at for the last three or four years. I don't know that that is a level that's going to be that difficult to reach. Now, you know, it, it's it's very easy to undervalue or understate just the importance of even mediocre starting NFL quarterbacks. And certainly, you know, when the cards have to go to Blaine Gabbert or Drew Stanton, you see that difference. But, you know, Carson Palmer is not the type of quarterback who single-handedly was putting a running back constantly in the red zone, constantly at the goal line where they could score points. So uh, if the Cardinals are able to to fix their situation, get a, a competent starting quarterback, I think David Johnson, with his talent level, with his hybrid uh, flexible profile, will be able to maintain most of that fantasy value. All right. W- one last situation, the Bears. Um, we have Mitch Trubisky. Uh, potentially benefiting to Reek Cohen as well. What do you think uh, the upside is for these guys? Well, Trubisky is definitely an intriguing player. He's he's in that class of quarterbacks now that looks like they could all end up being stars. He's got that cannon for an arm, and even in the context of a very difficult offensive situation, he certainly flashed at times this year. The person I'm really interested in is Cohen. You you have what promises to be a, a somewhat difficult timeshare there with Jordan Howard and they probably will limit each other's upside but both of those guys have the potential to be very exciting fantasy players since they both have a little bit of dual threat ability obviously Howard more the early down bruiser but a guy who can catch some passes and then Cohen you know hopefully he doesn't get pigeonholed as as simply a receiver because we've seen him take handoffs and go you know 40 50 yards in a blanket that could be a very exciting offense do you have um, an outlook for either of those guys any other players on the bears you think could benefit from a coaching change yeah i think um i I definitely agree with cohen i think cohen's really exciting um under the right circumstances and basically those circumstances are uh a good a good offensive coach who realizes that you know having a space back like cohen is a is a real a real asset um and i don't think you have to even be that good of an offensive coach to realize that so um if they get in someone who's going to utilize cohen more i'm really excited about him particularly because i don't think his price in redraft or in dynasty will really be that high so uh he's definitely he sort of immediately goes on the zero running back watch list wouldn't you say i think so and 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 i'd be interested to see what his adp 
ends up being in different formats because he just he had so many wild plays that you think of uh, some of the the runners who have parlayed maybe a similar skill set into top fantasy finishes people like Darren Sproles obviously and then I don't know that he is quite as far away from the the Alvin Kamara Christian McCaffrey level as as it might seem on the surface. Although again, I mean, you're, you're talking about the limitations of, of playing with Howard. I don't know that too many people can do what Kamara did with Mark Ingram there to also siphon touches. Yeah. And the one last guy on the bears, I mean, if Cameron Meredith came back healthy, I guess he could be, uh, you know, certainly that, uh, you know, the number one option for Trubisky next year. Uh, any interest in him? I think so. I, I have him stashed on a few teams and, and really we just, I, this maybe is the team that the coach will determine more than any others where they go going forward, because they have a lot of things that need to be addressed and they really need to have that McVay type of coach who really turns everything around. And there are some guys out there who potentially fit that template, but uh, the bears more than other teams, they have so much at risk and so much writing on this coaching hire. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get to our interview with Blair Andrews on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair? Um, and we're going to be talking uh, to him about his uh, his recent article looking at rookie running backs as it relates to zero running back. Um, and before we do that, though, just want to remind you, you can get a listener's only thirty percent discount to a Road of His NFL pass through the Road of His podcast homepage, roadofhis.com slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content, and it'll help support the podcast. Uh, you can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating our Rotoviz radio channel or Rotoviz football uh, show channel on iTunes. Uh, and you can always contact us as well on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio or via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. All right, let's get to our interview with Blair. Please welcome to the show Blair Andrews. You can follow on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair. He's a writer for Rotoviz and co-host of the Rotoviz Report uh, on Rotoviz Radio. Blair, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, for those who aren't familiar with Blair, and I obviously come at this from a very biased perspective, but Blair is one of my favorite authors, not just at Rotoviz, but across the entire fantasy community. And I asked him before the season to write an article called The Wrong Read, in which he um, listened to the various podcasts, which you know Blair is very involved in the podcast. And so that's, that's part of what he does. And then write something that is related to that. So instead of a summary, Blair is actually taking the podcast material and then doing these enhancement articles that I found are some of the best articles we have on the site. Just recently, he wrote a piece talking about how rookie running backs were the key to zero running back this year. So that ties into a few other things we wanted to talk about. So we've got Blair on tonight to talk about the article. And Blair, let's start with your note in the piece that rookie running backs had more top scoring games than any other cohort this season. What did you mean by that? And what are the ramifications for fantasy owners? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, thanks for those kind words. Um, so actually, Anthony Amico did a piece in the off season. It was kind of along the same lines. He was just looking at uh, for best ball, you want high scoring weeks. And, uh, you know, the consistency doesn't really matter. So he's kind of measuring which positions had the most high scoring weeks. Um, and then he was on uh, re- a recent episode of the highlight reel to talk about that. So that's kind of what prompted me to dig into this a little bit, but, um, so yeah, anyway, I'm looking at, uh, the top, mm, about the top 300, I think, um, scoring weeks on the season. So basically I looked at how each position performed, how many top games they had and broke it out by the number of years they played just because, you know, anecdotally, it seems like this was a year when a lot of rookie running backs had some big games. Alvin Kamara obviously was huge. Kareem Hunt was huge at the beginning of the year. Um, that seemed kind of unusual. So I was kind of more just curious if uh, there was anything to that. And it turns out that rookie running backs, uh, basically that cohort, if you were a running back and you were a rookie, you, you, that was 
you were the most likely to have one of these uh, top 300 scoring weeks. Uh, so they accounted for not quite 25, I think, uh, top top five weeks. And uh, I think the next next highest was, I don't know, QBs who had been in the league six years or something. Uh, but it was quite a bit, quite a ways behind. So yeah, just uh, really interesting finding. I don't know if there's actually much actionable about that, to be honest. Um, it could have been kind of an outlier year. Uh, kind of felt that way. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It was just a really interesting uh, result. Well, it was certainly an unusual year, but we had Brian Malone on the show recently, and he wrote an article we talked about a little bit about how rookie running backs perform well during playoff time. And so perhaps if you're in a different sort of league, you might actually want to target rookies when you know most of the conventional wisdom is that rookies tend to be overvalued in the fantasy leagues. When you combine what you found and this particular idea of the rookie running backs performing late do you see this as being a one-year aberration or would this rookie running back group be something you wanted to target not only perhaps in best ball but also other formats yeah that's a good question uh i want to obviously you know look into it a little bit more although i mean you know we've seen rookie running backs come on real later in the year yeah exactly like brian said so um you know David Johnson, obviously, in uh, his rookie year was huge at the end of the year. Um, and rookie running backs, I mean, are always, it's the position, I guess, this is maybe, I don't know, a little bit um, cliche. People say it all the time. I don't know how true it is. But um, rookie, you know, running back is, I guess, the maybe the easiest position to learn or something in the NFL. It's just uh, the easiest position to come in and contribute right away as a rookie. So, uh, yeah, there could be something to that as a trend. Um, going into 2018, I mean, you know, some best ball drafts have started up already, although I don't think you can draft any college players in them yet. But going into 2018, I am uh, definitely looking into that more and and uh, strongly considering focusing on rookie running backs later in drafts, not only in best ball leagues, but yeah, probably in all formats. Jeremy McNichols takes a little bit of issue with uh, with you saying that how easy it is to learn the running back position. But um, one thing that I think is interesting about uh, you know this analysis in your article and, and also just kind of uh, what we can take about this going forward is that you know even in a big year for running backs, um, you know the ones that we even a big year for for kind of the high uh, valued uh, rookie running backs, the ones everyone expected to do well, did in fact for the most part, do very well, like uh, a Leonard Fournette, um, you Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but even in that year, it wasn't just those guys who did well. So, um, you know, Sean had uh, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara on the zero running back watch list. So um, I guess what, what I guess one of the things that kind of jumps out is that from your article is that it's not like you have to target the kind of the hyped rookie running backs that you're going to have to take in the early rounds you can kind of pepper your later picks with some rookie running backs and still get that same upside potentially like we saw this year with hunt and Kamara, who were you know absolutely winners depending on when when you drafted hunt if you were able to get him you know before the thursday night game or even before spencer ware went down you know, an absolute league winner is a later round pick yeah that's exactly right and i mean just to add to those names there's even you can think of guys like uh, both the Green Bay running backs, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, were even later picks. Uh, you know, Corey Clement had some top weeks. Dante Foreman had at least one top week. Tariq Cohen, Austin Eckler even, who was, you know, basically unheard of before the season. These guys weren't even drafted in a lot of leagues. So, you know, if you're, you get to the end of your draft and you have, you know, you're taking flyers anyway, uh, these rookie running backs might, uh, have more value, definitely more upside than uh, probably we normally think. Blair, you also had a, another interesting article recently where you talked about analyzing what happened in a season and how difficult that is. And that one of the things you can do to help yourself with that difficulty is to assume that anything you did well was luck and anything that you did poorly was the result of poor decision making. And then if you look at it through that lens, it might help you focus in on 
really trying to develop areas you can get better. I bring that up because zero running back tends to be a very controversial topic. And one of the things I always tell people is I'm not pushing anyone to use that technique, but I think it's out there for people who can use it well and who are using it in a way where it actually gives them an advantage to where they need fewer things to go right. And I've used zero running back the last three years in the MFL 10 of death put together by Pat Thorman with um, a great group of guys who are among my favorites in the industry. It's, It's a fun league to play. And I've used zero running back in it each of the last three seasons and finished first, second, and first. And I mentioned that because that's obviously luck, right? But looking at it in the lens of zero running back, we had this idea of, okay, 2015 was a very good year for zero running back. 2016 was a very poor year. And then this last year, I think, was more of an average type of year, even though it's somewhat controversial within the context of Todd Gurley being such a league winner. But the thing that I think is interesting is that it puts you in a situation where you don't need as many things to go right. And you know, there's, there's also discussions about what really counts as your running back, but you can't really wait a long time. Well, for this particular league, I didn't draft a running back until round 10. And that was Kareem Hunt. That was after five wide receivers, two tight ends and two quarterbacks. And just with that pick within the context of those other players, I had such a huge advantage. Now, that ties into this idea of your article. And I think, again, this idea of understanding where you actually want to have a lot of predictability and where you might take more chaos and try and benefit from that chaos. So we hear people talk a lot about players who have a small range of outcomes and players who have a large range of outcomes and labeling those things good or bad, depending on that person's view of how you play fantasy football. But I think that that is perhaps too simplistic. What we really want to know is what areas of a draft do we want to have small ranges of outcomes and which areas we want to have large ranges of outcomes. And that's interesting to me in terms of the article that you wrote, because the idea of zero running back is to get the small range of outcomes players early and then to get the larger range of outcomes players late. And rookie running backs are going to be great examples of this large range of outcomes because number one, they're rookies. We don't know how they're going to adjust to the NFL. We don't know if these college stars are really going to make the transition. And then just with the running back position in particular, you have so much movement during the course of the season. Would, would you say that that's a, an accurate picture of what's happening in what you were looking at or is that sort of trying to force this idea and this justification for zero running back into what just happened in this particular year? Uh, no, I think that's exactly right. Um, you know, I had reminded me of something I read. I think Jonathan Bales wrote it in maybe one of his books. He talks about how uh, he, you, you know, when you do well in fantasy, you're definitely, it, it's definitely uh, do a lot in to luck. But uh, you know, if you're good at it, if you're, you know, putting in the work, you can put yourself in positions to benefit from, from luck, uh, in ways that other people can't. And so, yeah, I think, you know, a focus on rookie running backs where it, late in drafts where you are trying to, uh, yeah, trying to use uncertainty to, um, to your benefit, I think definitely puts you in a position to, you know, for you know things to break your way i guess before we let you go give us give us your favorite uh wrong read of the season and maybe what you're looking at coming up uh hmm yeah i mean this one on rookie running backs was uh, a lot of fun to a lot of fun to write i also did one earlier in the season uh kind of uh it's kind of a mid-season or mid to late season uh kind of look back at what had gone on with the running back and wide receiver <clears throat> scoring. The title of that was Is Zero RB Dead? Uh, kind of clickbaity, but um, yeah, that one got a lot of discussion on the forums. So that was a that was a fun one to write and to continue to talk about. Um, so yeah, and then I don't know, as far as looking forward, uh, I'm hoping to write a lot more about some prospects, I guess, but it's, uh, you know, hard to predict what uh, 
kind of in the nature of the case of this article, it's just hard to <laughs> hard to predict where it's going to go. So, all right, well, uh, Blair, thanks so much for joining us. Everyone, make sure to follow Blair on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair, uh, and check out his his future articles and check out some of the wrong read uh, articles as well. Great pieces, Blair. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash radio. Ready, set, save, California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure-ready Explorer or the all-new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F-150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So ready, set, save. The Labor Day sellathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September third they call you the grill master you've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth you savor the moment to get amazing offers during the mercedes-benz summer event like the 2019 c-class sedan and glc suv the perfect recipes of driving performance plus you can enjoy six months of sirius xm all access included the mercedes-benz summer event now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles offers end september 3rd mercedes-benz the best or nothing sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history relive their decade of dominance in the new showtime sports documentary the kings a four-part series premiering sunday june 6th only on showtime whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.